The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmakerplatform.com. These are the Writer Files, a tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers. From online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Kelton Reed, writer, podcaster, and mediaphile. And each week, we'll find out how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. Critically acclaimed screenwriter and director John August stopped by the show this week to chat with me about his writing process, the film business, and his hit podcast, Script Notes. Since his breakthrough feature film debut, Go, in 1999, John has penned an impressive list of big-budget Hollywood films from Charlie's Angels to a handful of Tim Burton films, including Big Fish and Frankenweenie. The prolific author has also worked in TV, on Broadway, he makes his own writing apps, and is a voting member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. He currently produces the Script Notes podcast with co-host Craig Mazin, where they discuss the ins and outs of the screenwriting business. Join us for this two-part interview. In part one of the file, John August and I discuss how a journalism major became a Hollywood director, why screenwriting is truly a team sport, what it's like to rewrite a film like Iron Man, how handwriting first drafts helps your process, and why public writing sprints can boost your output. Mr. John August, thank you so much for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to come on to the Writer Files podcast and wrap with me a little bit about uh, writing. It's a pleasure. So uh, full disclosure here, you and I went to the same high school. Yeah, which is crazy. It's a very small world. <laughs> and we just found this out, which is uh, pretty fantastic. You graduated several, several years before me, and I think I probably missed you by a year on campus, but uh, kind of a neat uh, coincidence. Yeah, but we still had no doubt the same teachers and a lot of the same experiences. Absolutely. So we're basically the same person. Pretty much. Uh, we both have no hair, I, I see, based on your Skype profile picture. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, so, uh, hairless uh, writers that have podcasts, it's a fascinating coincidence. But let's jump into uh, a little bit about your process. 
I am fascinated to learn more about you, uh, as a, especially as a screenwriter. But for listeners who may not be kind of familiar with your story, your career, um, can you tell us a little bit about your kind of your origins? Absolutely. So I uh, grew up in Boulder, Colorado. I went to Fairview High School, just like you did. I went to Drake University and got a journalism degree. Drake is in Des Moines, Iowa. And it was while I was there that I found out there was such a thing as screenwriting. It sounds really naive, but kind of before the internet, it was hard to know how movies were made or how things got written. And so while I was at Drake, I figured out, oh my gosh, people actually write movies and I should try to do that. So I applied to film school. Uh, I got into USC for film school. So I drove my rusted Honda out to Los Angeles and I've been here ever since. <laughs> so I went through a two year producers program called Peter Stark at USC. I started uh, working, answering phones, uh, making copies, doing all the sort of grunt work of Hollywood. And eventually uh, got some scripts written, got an agent, uh, got hired to write some things. The first movie that got produced was Go, uh, which was 1999. And since then I've been lucky to have a bunch of movies made. Uh, probably I'm known most for Big Fish, for the two Charlie's Angels movies, for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Also done some animation. I did uh, Corpse Bride and Frankenweenie, which is my last movie. Yeah, I'm looking at your resume is incredibly intimidating. Um, it seems like you've had your hands in not only screenwriting, but also some Broadway experience as well as um, kind of a little bit of everything it looks like. I know you have a, a hit podcast as well, which is kind of similar, it seems, in, in some ways to this this show because you you all look there uh, on the Script Notes podcast at more the process of screenwriting. And that's a fantastic show. I will uh, recommend listeners to kind of seek that one out as well. But um, congratulations on all, on all of your successes. So would you say that, I know you kind of came from a journalism background. Yeah. So would you say that you had decided kind of early on that you were going to be a writer when you're doing the journalism thing? Yeah, quite early on, I was writing a lot. And I think that was the thing that even in grade school, I got sort of most praised for. So that thing that people single leave out for, for praise, you tend to want to do that more. And so I was writing little short stories and stuff while I was in grade school, junior high. Um, I ran the newspaper in high school. And journalism seemed like the kind of writing that I might want to do. And in that, journalism felt like a career. I didn't know that I could necessarily make a living writing normal fiction. But I liked writing fiction too. Um, it wasn't until I started looking at screenwriting that I recognized the parallels between um, what journalism is and what screenwriting is. And that they're both very structured forms of writing uh, where there can be artistry, but it's artistry with a very specific intention. In, if you're writing a, a news story, uh, there are very specific rules you kind of have to follow because that story could get cut off at any point. There's a, a um, pyramid flow to a story so that it could be chopped off. In screenwriting, you were trying to put words on the page that would describe a movie that doesn't exist yet. And that kind of writing is challenging to sort of first get your hands around. But once you do, it's very rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know you guys talk about a lot about it being a team sport and not uh, a really a support you want to get into if you're not good at playing on a team, I guess. In addition to all of the fantastic scripts that you've worked on, where else can we find some of your writing kind of out there in the world? You know, I've done some short stories over the years. I have a short story called The Variant uh, that you can find online and Snake People. These are both things I sort of put up in the early days of the Kindle store just to see sort of what that was like. 
It was just sort of spelunking what that market was like for indie fiction. Um, I've written at some other sort of long-form uh, news article pieces and sort of magazine journalism. But mostly what I'm known for is my screenwriting. So if people want to read stuff I've written for both uh, features and for TV, uh, johnaugus.com, my website, there's a library and people can download scripts for most of the movies I've worked on. Very cool. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. And I know that uh, it seems like you um, periodically kind of, uh, describe these top secret projects that you are brought in on and um your bio even mentions that you were a uh, an uncredited rewriter of iron man which is very impressive so what are you presently working on yeah i think you know speaking of iron man or sort of other things you work on it's not that i was a rewriter i was a person who helped carry the ball for a time and i think that's an important thing to understand about the the profession of screenwriting is that sometimes you're working on projects that are truly your own and you are the the sole writing force behind something. And other times you're helping out on a project that's going to exist without you, but you are a person who's the craftsman getting you to a certain point. So uh, Iron Man is an example of a project that I did a tiny bit of work on during pre-production. And it was useful and it was helpful to them. It was great for me. Um, and so part of your job is splitting between the projects that are really your projects and the projects where you're just helping out somebody else. And that's a, a very natural uh, part of a screenwriter's job. So right now I'm writing a movie for... Disney, um, I'm, we'll see if that ends up coming to be. Um, I tend not to sort of name those things because so much of what a screenwriter works on never actually ends up existing. So while I have a lot of produced credits, um, there's a lot more things that I've worked on that are just sitting on a shelf someplace. And that's another thing that a screenwriter has to come to terms with is unlike a novelist who, you know, even if that book doesn't get published, at least it's finished in a way. With screenwriting, 
there's a lot of things you work on that never become movies. They're like blueprints for buildings that will never be built. And that's a, a real challenge. So the other thing I'm working on in addition to this, I think I'm writing for a studio, I'm writing a movie for myself to direct, which is something I would hope to do this next year. Excellent. And you, you've already written and directed a film, uh, The Nines, starred Ryan Reynolds and Melissa McCarthy. That's excellent. I think, I think we can still find it on Netflix and elsewhere. But um, so you're doing another one. You're going you're gonna, to uh, dig in and, and, and write and try to direct another film for yourself. Absolutely. And I, I love directing. It's a very different process than writing. It's, um, you have in some ways more control, but in many ways a lot less control than you do on the page. And it's recognizing what your intentions were when you wrote those scenes, but also what the realities are as they're in front of the camera and if they're, and what they're, what the possibilities are when you're in the editing room. It's, it's a continuous shaping process. And I would have directed a film sooner than this, but I spent about five years between those two movies doing Big Fish the Musical, which was a great experience, but just an incredibly long marathon to try to get a Broadway musical up on stage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another name comes in, comes to mind, Julie Taymor, mm-hmm. and um, her work with um, Spider-Man. Yeah, that yeah. was, you know, you know she, she had the gamuts of, of tremendous success with Lion King and a lot of frustration with Spider-Man. Well, okay. Moving on to, uh, your productivity as a screenwriter. So you've got, you've got probably juggling just a lot of different things on top of the podcast, working, uh, working writer in Hollywood. How much time per day do you personally read or kind of do research for the projects that you have working? It really depends where I'm at in a project. If I'm at the very early stages of figuring out how a project is going to work, that could be my entire day. That could be eight hours of sort of really buckled down, figuring stuff out, phone calls, and just a lot of um, online research to figure out what the possibilities are. It's one of those things where you'd think like, oh, you could hire a researcher who could do that stuff, but the process of research is what usually reveals the interesting things. It's not the answers you find, but the little sidetracks you go on that become a large part of the story. So. I love the research part and it's very easy to sort of get lost in the research part because it's delightful and there's very little stakes to research. Um, but the, once I'm into a real writing mode, um, then the research really scales down and then I'm, I'm just a, a full-time writer. And full-time writer for a screenwriter, if I'm getting three or four hours of real writing work done in a day, that's a, a full day. That's a lot for my brain to take. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, uh, before you crack your knuckles and kind of sit down to to get going, do you have any pregame rituals? No, I try to clear the decks. Um, so that's literally getting everything off the screen. Um, and first drafts I tend to write by hand, partly so I can't get trapped in the process of rewriting and editing. Uh, so often, if, I'm, if I start typing at the beginning of a story, I will just keep rewriting those first couple pages so many times and it will never move forward. <laughs> so I try to write those first drafts by hand as much as possible. I will do a very quick um, chicken scratch version of a scene, then a more detailed version of a scene. And finally, if that's still unreadable, I'll write a clean enough version of the scene that my assistant can type it up. I try not to get stuck on the computer uh, too early in the process so I can actually break the back of the story before I have to really look at the rewriting. Yeah, yeah. So do you, are you someone who schedules, I know you've talked about this on your own podcast, but are you, are you someone who will schedule the sessions then where you're just kind of homing in on one project at a time. That sort of naturally happens in the, the business of Hollywood where if you're hired on to do a job, uh, that clock starts ticking. And so you might have 12 weeks to write that script and you need to write that script in 12 weeks. It's, uh, it's 
you know, that pressure is real and you start getting those phone calls if it doesn't look like you're going to be able to deliver on time. So, so yeah, you buckle down. It's very challenging to write on more than one thing at a time. Although there have been days where I've had to work on three or four different movies in a day. But generally, like, one of those is a first draft. One of those is something that's in production. So I'm just doing a little tiny tweak here or there. And other things are in different stages. I'm never writing two first drafts at the same time. That just becomes overwhelming. Not just, it's not that you're getting confused between the two stories. It's just that you only have so much brain space to be able to devote to something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, are you a, head, a headphone guy or do you prefer silence or kind of white noise stuff? Um, I like silence. I, um, I like either silence or just like background chatter. So I'm really happy to be writing in a busy place if it's just walla walla, as long as I'm not hearing specific voices that are distracting to me. So sure. I, I love writing in public. I love writing in you know a coffee shop or um, I sometimes will go to Vegas when I first start on a draft because in Vegas, if you're just wandering around by yourself, everyone leaves you alone. That no one <laughs> is con- no one's concerned or confused by why you're there. And so uh, Vegas ends up being a good place. But I'll try to travel someplace that's, if possible, related to what I'm writing. So if I'm working on Dark Shadows, I went to Maine, and that was perfect for that. If I'm working on something that's set in um, the tropical a tropical region, I might go to Hawaii. So some place that gets me out of my normal routine and lets me focus on just being the writer and not being everything else in my life is helpful. Nice, nice. So do you have a most productive time of day? Are you a morning or an evening writer? Um, I have little periods in the day where I'm, I'm more productive and less productive. I'm not productive like that hour or two after lunch are just dead zones for me. Um, so I try to get something done in the morning, uh, then do less important things during sort of midday. I might have like one last sort of sprint in me before dinner. And then after dinner, I can sometimes go for a couple hours. So, it, you know, again, it depends on what the needs are and sort of where I'm at in the process. So I can, I have a couple periods during the day where I can usually get stuff done. Well, I think I know the answer to this, but do you believe in writer's block? I don't believe in writer's block in the way it's romanticized. I think that's the most dangerous thing about the term writer's block is we have this, this romance of the writer who pulls the page out of the typewriter and crumples it up and throws it into the trash can. And I think writers want to believe that there's some sort of magical special thing about how hard it is to be a writer. It is really hard to be a writer, but it's also really hard to be kind of any other creative artist. There's times where you just don't want to do it and it's fine to acknowledge that you don't want to do it, but then you just have to do it. And that's, that's the, the real struggle. Now there's times where you can't make things uh, fit right or you just sort of get creatively stuck on a problem. And there's techniques you can use to get around those, but that's not really kind of the same thing as writer's block. Sometimes writer's block, I think is just a, a fancy word for, I don't feel like doing it. Just a quick pause to mention that The Writer Files is brought to you by the Rainmaker platform the complete website solution for content marketers and online entrepreneurs. Find out more and take a free 14-day test drive at rainmaker.fm platform. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dig into your workflow a little bit. What hardware do you use? I mean, I know you're a, a, a traveler and you're probably using something pretty uh, compact there. Yeah, so it depends on uh, what stage I'm at. So if I'm really doing a first draft, it is a pen and paper. And so I have uh, little notebooks I take around. I have a, a trusty Pilot G2 pen and I just write by hand. And I use my phone to snap pa- photos of the pages. So in case I lose my notebook, I can you know, at least recapture what was there. Um, if I'm traveling and need to do some real writing, I have a MacBook, a 13-inch MacBook. It's fine. It's it gets the job done. Um, my main machine, the one I'm talking to you on right now, is an iMac, and it's really good. I have a weird keyboard. Um, I can send you a link to what it is, but I've had such carpal tunnel problems over the years that I have a keyboard that is um, sort of split in half and turned uh, perpendicular to the desk. And so mm. you're typing uh, in Word, which is seems really strange, but uh, ended up working really well. It's helped me out tremendously. And I type at a standing desk, so I'm standing up as I talk to you. Oh, that's great. That's great. So do you find that you have um, a better writing energy when you're standing? You know, I use the standing for the unimportant things. And so uh, all the web browsing and the replying to emails and all that sort of nonsense that you sort of have to do during a day, I try to stand during all that stuff. And yeah. then when I sit down, I'm really sitting into my writing mode. And it's a way to sort of differentiate the just doing stuff versus the actual um, writing uh, period. So if I'm sitting down, I'm getting serious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've heard that um, from many writers that that the standing desk is uh, more for just um, kind of bureaucratic stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you have any organizational hacks other than your um, notebook to note, note page to uh, assistant, et cetera? Yeah, you know, I, I try to, uh, as ideas come up, um, if it's a middle of the night idea, I have a notebook in the bathroom so I can like go to the bedroom, into the bathroom, turn on the light just enough so I can write down the thing I don't want to forget. And it's important for me to get that stuff out of my head so I'm not trying to just loop it in my head all night so I don't forget it. Just like write it down and that way you can forget it safely. Um, so I will do that. On my computer, I'll use a, it's a web app called Workflowy, which I think is just great. It's a, uh, an outliner organizer. It's just basically, you know, indented bullet lists of things, but it's very flexible and it syncs between all my devices. That's been great. Also on my phone, I've started moving towards Apple's new Notes app, which is much, much better. So I keep separate folders for different projects. And if there's something I need to remember to do about that project, not really a to-do list, but something I need to remember that, that is part of it, like a character list or some detail, I'll just put that in Notes on that and that syncs between the devices too. Very nice. Um, and yeah, I've heard good things about the, the updated notes app in, uh, iOS. So, um, do you have any best practices for beating the dreaded procrastination? I know you mentioned it before. Um, a couple things that I found really helpful. Um, I find writing sprints really good. So I will announce on Twitter that at the top of the hour, I'm doing a one hour writing sprint and see who wants to join me. And it's basically a way of, of publicly declaring that like for the next hour, I'm going to be doing nothing but writing. I'm not going to 
check my email. I'm not going to do anything else other than write. And when you declare that publicly, uh, you know, you find, I don't know, uh, it gives you a reason for why you are doing the thing you're going to do. It's, it's sort of, you know, it's, you're making a pledge kind of to yourself and to the rest of Twitter that you're going to be doing this thing. And I find I can really get a lot done in those one hour writing sprints. You know, uh, you know, one hour of solid writing is better than three hours of sort of <laughs> around. And so I'll, I'll get real stuff done. Also, I find I try to write out of sequence. Um, that is, if I kind of don't know how to do this next part, I will skip ahead and do something else I am excited to write. Because inevitably, I'll write those things that were in the middle. But if I'm more excited to write something that's down the road, great. Or if I just don't have the mental energy to do this really complicated scene right now, fine, I'll put that aside. And I'll work on the stuff that I actually have the energy and, and enthusiasm to write. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so how does John August unplug at the end of a, a hard day? This is going to sound unhealthy, but I'm convinced it's actually is pretty healthy. Um, if I have any alcohol whatsoever, I, I sort of stop. Uh, my brain stops trying to do things. And so um, a glass of wine at dinner, and that calls it a day. So that's a, a good, easy way for me to sort of get out of my writing uh, brain and sort of stop. Uh, so that and watching TV is fine for me. I'm not a big crack open a book and read person because I, I find that ends up using the same parts of my brain that I just used all day to write. And so, hmm. you know, a glass of wine and some TV on the DVR is usually a pretty good way for me to turn off the, the writer brain. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite show right now? Um, there's a lot of things I've loved recently. <clears throat> Over the summer, we watched Mr. Robot, which I thought was terrific. Hmm. Um, uh, the Leftovers just started up again, so I'm really curious to see how this new season works. Absolutely. Yeah, that one's, that one's fun. So uh, there's a lot. It's, we live in an age of far too much good television, which is a real challenge. Thanks for joining me for the first half of this tour through the writer's process. The second part will be published next week. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers find us. And for more episodes, just drop by writerfiles.fm, where you can also leave us a comment or a question. If you're looking for another great writing podcast, join my writerly neighbor, Damian Farnworth, for his excellent examination of online writing essentials over at roughdraft.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Calton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.